The Trouble with Transformation, a serialized podcast by Alison Wynn. Chapter 25 Key is in the Eyes. That was brilliant, Bruce, Betty said, hopping out of the car. We don't get to do that nearly enough if you ask me. And now you guys have had the full experience. What do you think? I had some pretty strong objections to being rocket launched at a wall without warning, but unfortunately my vocal cords had seized. I looked to Danny for help, but he had a hand clapped to his mouth. His complexion, usually sun-kissed olive, had turned alarmingly green. Nice work with the brakes, Bruce, I said, once I'd found my voice. Bruce nodded politely, but when I caught his eye in the rearview mirror, he was trying not to laugh. I looked around. We were in the most neatly kept garage I'd ever seen. Other than the cars, which were all ones I'd only ever seen in the movies, not the kind you'd see hooning along the Bottlenose Beach Boulevard on a Sunday afternoon. Other than those, the room was a blank canvas. No shelves spilling over with old toys and long-forgotten board games. No metal boxes. No little drawers filled with every type of screw. Nothing. I stifled a shiver. If the fact we'd just been chased at high speed along a deserted highway wasn't enough, the realisation we locked ourselves into a double-walled concrete vault that held all the overly sanitised hallmarks of a Bond villain was more than a little disconcerting. We were completely out of our depth. But like I said, Dad, there was no going back now. This way, Betty said, leading us up a narrow flight of stairs. Thanks, Bruce. He waved from alongside the car, clearly planning to stay in the garage. To do what, I couldn't imagine. It's not like he had any tools available to do car maintenance. Maybe he was planning to sort out those followers we'd picked up. Bruce was no Mr. B, but if I'd learned anything in the past few weeks, it was that people weren't always who you thought them to be. Betty paused outside a solid-looking door. A green laser light flashed, there was a bleep, and the door swung open. What was that? Danny and I said in unison. Betty gave a shrug and a grin. Ah, oh, just a retina scan. We don't let any old riffraff in, you know. The words sounded out of sync coming from her mouth. I had a feeling she'd overheard her dad say the same thing and was trying it on for size. We have them at key points in the compound, she went on. All the staff can access this point, but only the immediate family and Mrs Blanche, our housekeeper, have access to the inner rooms, and only Daddy has access to his lab. I was about to ask about the lab when I heard a loud and very familiar voice. Ho, if it isn't the little freckle-faced girl again. Mr. J boomed as he greeted us at the door, extending a larger-than-life hand for me to shake. I resisted the urge to cringe, partly because Mr. J was speaking dangerously close to my ear, but mainly because I hated it when people made a big deal about my freckles. Mr. J didn't notice. He was too busy making a show of looking round the room for something. Where's your friend? He was the spark of the party last time, I remember. Mr. J roared at his own joke. I forced a smile. I thought it would be a lot safer for us all if I left Brian behind this time. This is Danny. 
he knows how to keep his hands to himself. At the mention of Danny's name, Mr J's expression suddenly changed. Danny? Daniel Costa, is it? You're the one up against Betty at the science fair next month. Danny nodded. Yeah, that's right. She's pretty tough competition, if you don't mind me saying. Betty and Mr Jansen exchanged a quick look. Hmm, <laughs> Mr J said. Well, she's always been interested in her old man's work. Guess it's only natural she'd pick up some skills along the way. Anyway, kids, I've got a few things to take care of in the lab before dinner. Nice to see you again, Freckles. And to meet you, Danny. Mr J's eyes swept over him one last time. Then he turned and barreled down the hall, out of sight. Don't mind him, Betty said, as Danny and I stared in his wake. He comes and goes a lot. Come on, speaking of dinner, we'd better get washed up. Mrs Blanche doesn't mind Daddy breezing in halfway through a meal, but the rest of us have to be on time. She led us past a myriad of rooms, naming each one and explaining its purpose. Daddy has his best thoughts in there, Betty said, opening the first door and gesturing for us to look inside. The walls of the room were made entirely of glass, home to thousands of brightly coloured tropical fish happily swimming about. He says the fish help his brain go with the flow. Mr J seemed to have a room for every stage of the inventing process. I know you've seen your own share of glamour in your time, Dad, but this was totally over the top. Completely in the realm of crazy rich person who doesn't know what to do with their money. Still, I had to admit it was kind of amazing. My favourite was the 1950s ice cream parlour, with its red vinyl boots, black and white checkered floor, complete with popcorn and milkshake machines. It reminded me of those Back to the Future movies, the only glitz marathons I could convince both Danny and Brian to watch with me. They usually couldn't tolerate each other long enough. After seeing all Mr J's haunts, you'd think we'd be prepared for the guest rooms, but when Betty showed us Danny's room for the night, he lost it. The one made up for him was a Grand Prix circuit replica. There were two rows of rubber tyres running through the middle of the room, marking out a racing track. A Formula One car bed sat in pole position. Danny darted from one corner to the next, inspecting every tiny little feature. He came to a bright-eyed stop in front of a trio of arcade games. No way, he said, his voice all light and breathy. A 1982 Namco pole position, a 1981 Donkey Kong, and a 1978 Space Invaders. So cool. You don't need coins, Betty said, hovering over Danny's shoulder as he ran his fingers over the Donkey Kong controls. Just press the start button and you can play. I snorted. Don't get him started. Seriously don't. You'll never get him off again. I patted a replica petrol pump. Look, Danny, this is interesting. A petrol pump. Actually, Betty said, it's really a bar fridge with snacks and stuff. You can have any drink you want. Coke? Lemonade? Ribena? Pretty much anything. Wow, I don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight, Danny said, taking it all in. This is the dimmer switch. Betty twisted a knob at the entrance of the room. The arena-style floodlights faded from blindingly bright to a gentle yellow glow. That might help. Are all your guest rooms themed? I asked, 
I couldn't wait to see what was in store for me. I suppose so. Betty's response was uncharacteristically clipped. She straightened out a couple of trophies on the shelves. But this one's not actually a guest room. It was supposed to be a room for my brother. Danny and I exchanged a look. The air between us hung with unspoken questions. Betty glanced from me to Danny. She pressed her lips together, then quickly turned away. He never came along. She gestured to me. Come on, I'll show you to your room. I took another look around Danny's room. Betty's parents must have really wanted a boy. Or Mr. J did at least. Maybe that's why Betty sounded so much like Mr. J when she spoke. Maybe she was trying to be the son he didn't have. For the first time I looked at Betty, really looked at her, and wondered whether she was lonely. When Betty showed me to my room, I tried not to appear disappointed. Instead of cars, mine was plastered with unicorns, right down to the bedspread, nightlight and posters on the walls. Big, dewy-eyed horses with ice cream cone horns stared at me from every angle. I'm not going to lie, it was a little creepy. Wow, I said, leaning back against the wall. All that pink was making my head spin. Could you show me the bathroom? I want to clean up a bit before dinner. I can still taste dust. Danny headed back to his room to check out the arcade games while Betty led me down the hallway to a large open bathroom. As we entered, my eyes recoiled from the shock of colour. Although having seen the style of rooms to date, it shouldn't have come as a surprise. The walls were tiled from top to bottom with scenes from Alice in Wonderland. Alice falling down the rabbit hole, meeting the Cheshire Cat, attending the Mad Hatter's tea party, and facing off against the Queen of Hearts. Let me guess, I said, looking about. It was your favourite bedtime story, so your dad had your bathroom done this way. A sheepish smile crept across Betty's face, and I added, I always liked that story too. You're pretty lucky to have a dad who cares about you so much, especially considering he's so busy. I was trying to draw Betty out, get more info on her dad's behaviour patterns. I wasn't expecting the sting that came with those words. We had a lot in common, Betty and me, but there was one obvious difference. Mr J was here, and you were not. Betty nodded. Yeah, he's always working on new stuff in the lab. Sometimes he gets so caught up he doesn't come out for days. It was the opening I'd been hoping for. My heart leapt, then panged. Having spent some time with Betty, I liked her. I felt guilty about gaming the Jansons to try and get into the lab. But this was the spy world. I had to be ruthless. I shoved my feelings down and said, Don't you and your mum worry about him? Shut away in the lab? All by himself? Yeah, Mommy's always saying he's going to blow himself up while we're asleep, and the lab is so well put together we'll only feel a bump in the night. Betty laughed nervously. Jeez, your mum's pretty relaxed about it all then. I know my mum would go nuts wondering what was going on in there. It was a small lie. We both know Kat would be so busy getting about between her macrame groups and yoga lessons, she probably wouldn't even notice someone using the lab. Is that how you got away with your double life for so long, Dad? 
"'Well,' Betty said, "'Mom's doesn't actually worry, because she's got a copy of Dad's retina.' My heart slammed against my ribcage. "'What? How?' Betty lowered her voice to a whisper. "'I don't actually mean she's got a piece of his eyeball. She had a contact lens made up. "'But how?' She's got access, you know. She can lift his eyelid while he's asleep. I shuddered. I'm not generally squeamish, but the visual of messing with Mr. J's sleeping eyeball gave me the heebies. Betty didn't notice. She was on a roll. And she's got the know-how. She's a scientist herself, you know. Did I mention they met at uni? So what does she do with it? The lens, I mean. Not much. Just sneakily checks on him if he's been in there a while, sees how he's getting on with his projects, leaves him a few hints here and there if he's stuck. He pretends not to notice. You see, he totally knows she has the lens. They both like the mystery of pretending they have a secret from each other. I smiled, leaned in closer, and asked in a low, conspiratorial tone, Have you ever been down there? Betty looked as though she was going to deny it but then she broke into a grin. Her eyes lit up and she nodded. Mommy accidentally misplaced the first lens she made, and I just happened to find it. That's one secret they both don't know about. I was so excited I could barely breathe. This was it. Betty had just handed me the key to solving our technology problems, and in that moment I couldn't love her more. I broke into a huge grin of my own. You guys ready? Danny popped his head through the door. Whoa, that's some bathroom. I splashed my face, patting it dry with the fluffy towel Betty handed me. Ready, I said, walking out the door to join Danny. Perfect timing, I whispered in his ear. Betty was a few paces ahead, preparing to introduce us to her mum and Mrs. Blanche. I may not have had a plan before, but I certainly have one now. <laughs> 